Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is a returning guest, and I can say that about him. It's Aaron Marsh, everyone! Woo! Hi, y'all. Welcome back, Aaron. He was on the, uh, with Jason on The Wiz, and now he's doing his own solo episode. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel like I've got a spotlight right on my face. Which, I mean... I can see that clearly, and you thank know. you for describing it to the listeners. It's all TNA right now, <laughs> and it's ten. <laughs> and um, somehow that ties into what we're talking today, which is Mac the Knife, a 1989. I don't know if it's a TV movie or not. Who knows? Uh, it, the screenplay is by Welcome Back Menahem Golan. Uh, music and lyrics by Bertold Brecht and Kurt Vile. However, the lyrics were adapted by Mark Blitzstein, Menahem Golan, and Dove Seltzer, directed by Menahem Golan. I didn't I didn't realize I was gonna say his name so many times this episode. He plays a, a lot in this movie. Yes, he, he plays does. a lot of roles. And according to IMDB, in 19th century London, a young girl falls for a famous womanizing criminal and they decide to get married. Her family strongly disapproves. So her father, quote, the king of thieves, end quote, gets a gangster arrested. Gets the gangster arrested. Hold on, let me, I needed to rephrase that. Um, So yeah, I'm so, uh, first of all, again, I'm apologizing to just you because the le- the song listing that I found online is apparently incorrect. Yeah. And... So that's the soundtrack. Oh, you have the soundtrack. So, and the soundtrack surprisingly is a basically complete recording of, uh, we'll get into it, but of the three penny opera. And I, it's been so long since I saw this film. I was surprised that they weren't all in there. I'm watching the movie and, you know, I'm like, wait, Where's this song? Where's this song? Are there songs in this movie? So wait, have you seen this movie? You have not seen I this had, No, I had seen this movie before, but it had just been such a long time. And it's so weird that like... And I was remembering, I was like remembering the soundtrack, you know? So oh, like, so I was yeah. like, wait, I know I've heard this before. Yeah, I started going through right before we were recording and I was just like, let's get these in an order. And I was just like, you know what? I don't think there are even half the songs listed. Well, I was surprised. So I was, I was sitting here too. And I was like trying to highlight which ones did I actually hear? And because I was thinking, you know, I think there was only like six songs in the movie, but honestly, there was a lot. Most most of them were in it. Um, I don't think they chose necessarily the right ones always, but, um, but, but most of them were in it. There, There weren't as many left out as I, as I thought there were while watching the film. And I'm not going to lie, a lot of the time while watching this movie, I was just saying, what the fuck am I watching? Because Perfect. Perfect. That's what that's that's what I like to hear from you. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I know I, I, I know I'm the guest, but I've seen the movie before and I'm so curious, like, what was your journey since when I proposed this movie to you to actually seeing it? Like, so like... I had to find it on YouTube. Yeah. Because it's not streaming anywhere. I'm no. so happy I didn't have to pay for it because it's free on YouTube. 
But because it was on YouTube, I feel like the quality of it was, it felt very dark lighting wise, not material wise, lighting wise. Um, so I was, I was squinting a lot. Um, also it's over two hours. So, and it didn't feel like it moved very well. It felt disjointed. I could tell there were things that were left out, but yeah, I'm like all of a, all of a sudden they sing a song and you're like, why is it here? Why, why is this a song here? Or, or reversely, when they do a dialogue, a, a, a book scene, quote unquote, where there's only dialogue, I'm like, why isn't this a song? I mean, I know it's based off of Three Penny Opera, which is, as Wikipedia calls it, a play with music. So when really it's, I feel like it's just all sung. I'm seeing- 22 or 23. 23, 23, yeah. 23 songs listed. Yeah. Possibly more because then there's like 11 and 11A. And so, yeah. Um, so, for some reason, all the American versions do not include one that's in the German version called uh, Lucy's Aria. And I don't know why. But so, in the English versions of Three Penny Opera, it's usually 22 numbers. But then if you get like a classical German recording, it's 23. Um, did, did you heard of the Three Penny Opera? I've heard of Three Penny Opera. I know it was done here in New York not that long ago. Um, like Ellen Cumming, that 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 one. I think it was that one where they where they played their own instruments or something. Yeah, prob- yeah, probably. It was like Ellen Cumming and, and Cindy Lauper. Yes, yes, that was. I, I'm saying not that long ago. I think it was over ten years ago. <laughs> right, right. It's been a while. So Three Penny um, is probably immeasurably influential for our modern musical theater because it directly inspired cabaret and sideways inspired Chicago, like thematically and, and production style. So in the original uh, three penny production in Germany, which was in a cabaret, they would have someone come out with uh, um, a paper sign that would say, like, and this is the ballad of immoral earnings, and then the people would sing it. So similar uh, to the MC in Chicago, and both with uh, morbid, I guess you could say, um, or or morbid subject matter, or at least crime-ridden subject matter. Um, and even Ursula in The Little Mermaid, Poor Unfortunate Soul, was written to sound like a Kurt Vile cabaret number. Oh, really? I didn't Yeah, so, which is why you get that boom, 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 boom. I I also heard a lot of Les Mis in this. Oh, totally. Especially, in, and then I saw it, you know, in this film version. There's a lot of Les Mis going on. Yeah, because like um, the, uh, her, um, what's her name? Uh, Polly's parents are basically the Tenardiers. And that's, yeah. and once I realized that, that Julie Walters, hello, welcome back, Julie Walters, I love you, uh, is playing Madame Tenardier and... Her dad is basically Mr. Tenardier. I was just like, yeah, this, yes, I, I'm understanding. Uh, um, I didn't know of it, its importance in musical theater history, but I like understood it subconsciously. Yeah, you start seeing the echoes of it. Yeah, yeah, and like I heard a lot of cabaret and a lot of like Candor and Ebb, really. Yeah. Think um, but yeah, I, I God, this movie was wild. <laughs> going back and um going back and preparing for the for the episode 
I kept wishing we were we were covering the 1957, like the original American cast of it, which was off Broadway. And it's super entertaining, but it's only it's only a recording, right? It's only a recording. Um, the but then when I sat down and finally watched the film, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I really did enjoy it. But the but the initial recording is uh, is pretty awesome. Um, I'm going to take a side just tangent. so happen to have right next. I just to you. so happen to have it ready. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go on a side tangent that there's like two degrees of B. Arthur as well, because one, she's on the original cast recording, the original American cast recording. Um, she sounds exactly the same as she does in the 80s, even though it was recorded in 1957. Love it. But also in that in the um, Star Wars holiday special, you know, when she sings her number, it sounds like a Kurt Vile number from this show, even though, you know, it's taken from um, it's taken from the cantina music. But the way it's slowed down and given that given that kind of swing totally reminds me of a three penny number. But it's um you're not so only, excited and I love it. Um, thank you. Not only do we have it's just got an amazing cast. Not only do we have Beatrice Arthur, um, we have Charlotte Ray, who children from the 80s, like myself, might know the icon as Mrs. Garrett. And yes, that's I was like, I know that name. How do I girls, girls? Over its run, it had um I'm not going to be able to remember anybody's name off the top of my head. Um, I mean, you listed some already with the most recent revival. I think I'm going to, I'm going to be so bold and say that that it was the most recent revival with Alan. Yeah. Yeah. In in the U S at least. Yeah. Or at least in in New York, but the, the, that 1957 production, uh, uh, Joe Sullivan was a musical theater star, but um, yeah, the guy, the guy who's Lumiere and beauty and the beast, the, the film, the animated film mm-hmm. he's oh. in it um john austin from who became famous as gomez adams is in it how funny raul julie also became famous as gomez adams but yeah so there were a lot there were a lot of stars in that little off-broadway production i mean for this movie a i don't understand why they're calling it mac the knife and not three penny opera but b right when i saw that it was directed by menahem golan and raul julia was in it i was just like yes I'll take all of and this. Another good, another good handful of stars. Like the cast sounds great on paper. We have Raul Julia, Richard Harris, and Julie Walters. Like they're pre, they're pre Harry Potter. You, Roger United. Daltrey, <laughs> Roger Daltrey, and then Julie McGinnis. I know her more as an opera singer, and it was interesting here that they lowered all her songs in octave from actually how they're written. So to spit specifically have her sing in a very low chest voice but it fit the character i liked it i was i was literally just about to say that because i feel like holly is the uh, i'm gonna make another musical reference here the joanna of sweeney todd basically so we need that ingenuity light voice but all of a sudden she's got a dark side and i was like where did this come from right that's more pronounced in the show um but I liked Polly. She was one of the things when I first saw the film, um, she was one of the things that impressed me about it because as far as I know, she's nobody. Like, like I don't know if she had a career, but I think she did really well. She sounded good in the songs. Yeah, I mean, and she's the one that they were like and introducing and I looked her up and she didn't really do that much afterwards. <laughs> I think she may have, I mean, I didn't look her up 
in depth, but on a, her IMDb is lacking. So maybe it's she's one of more those. of a stage person than a. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to assume anything because I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to assume. I'm going to assume that it's one of those unfortunate. This was supposed to be my big break, and unfortunately, it was in this project. So, is this a TV movie? No. Um. Do you know? <laughs> So this was I, in theaters. This was in this was in, no. This, this actually was in wasn't in theaters either. This was made for video. So Manaheim Golem in um in the eighties was doing a series of direct to video films, mostly based on fairy tales. He was doing this canon film series. Oh, it's canon. Okay, it's canon. Right? Yeah. So oh. this is exactly okay. So you know what I'm talking about, and then you understand. Like once you know that, and you see the production of the film, it all makes sense. It's like exactly that. That for those quality. of you, for those of you who are listening and don't know who what canon films are, um, listen to the podcast. How did this get made? They basically cover um um a lot of canon movies. It's like Hercules in New York. I think the Apple, which I've done, is also a canon picture. Um, there's there there are usually those like low budget like bananas bonkers movies, but also have like amazing names in them. So, yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to at least no. define it for the good people. No, that's that's perfect. I I wouldn't even know how to describe it honestly. That that's really that's really good. It's kind of like Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater had really big people, but that's because you know it was a small twenty minute episode. It was easy to film, and these were full movies. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Two how plus they got hours the stars. movies. Yeah. So the Three Penny, um, after fifty seven, really was only remembered for the song "Mac the Knife" because it had become a standard thanks to Bobby Darin and Louis Armstrong and Elvis Gerald and everybody else. But then in seventy five, the Royal, uh, the New York Shakespeare Festival, had it retranslated. Mark Blitzen, who's who's credited for the translation in the film, um, although mostly miscredited. Um, wrote the American adaption that premiered here in the in fifty seven. So in seventy five, the Joe Papp Theater had a new translation written that was much closer to the original German. The nineteen fifty seven production, because of the times, softened it and made it, I think, in some ways, much more entertaining and funny, but took a lot of bite out of the lyrics. And so in the seventies, you know, they tried to put that back in, and it was really controversial, and that starred. That starred Raul Julia and and made him like, you know, uh, a star. He had done other musical theater, but this was a big project for him. Um, Can we just talk so that about was... Raul Julia for a hot second in this movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. So hot. <laughs> I wish they had filmed him in 75 because the p- pictures of him for that cast recording, he is felt. <laughs> he's felt in the film, but that's it's 15 years later. But, but like he he's wearing um, like, pirate shirts and a tight tight yes. tight vest and i was just like yes. here for all of it and um rest in peace Raul julia but you you're hot in this movie <laughs> i'm gonna go back to that in the sharps and flats i don't want to jump ahead <laughs> um but okay so you've obviously have done the research that i should have done for this no Thank no you. no that's no that's like <laughs> that's why i'm here that's why i'm here i just want you to see it and be like okay i'd rather watch cop rock or like no, this was way better than Cop Rock. <laughs> oh no, no, no! This is fun. I think um, there's a lot that I. Uh, so usually when I do these, I just watch it once and then that's it. This one I I wanted to watch again. I just ran out of time personally, just because like I wrote 
I wrote some notes down like 11 minutes in and I have no idea what's happening. And then later I write 53 minutes in and I'm still confused. So <laughs> yes. Did the IMDB description help? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because like, I don't know why they're all mad at him, first of all. And then and then he and Tiger. Yeah. Tiger. They were are, they were a thing. They, oh okay, yes, I was about to be like they did butt stuff, right? Of course they yeah, did. Yeah, they did butt stuff in the war. Yeah. <laughs> but like yeah, uh, yeah, so they have this unspoken I get it that they have the unspoken bond of like or spoken bond really of like, hey, I you be a robber, I'm gonna be a cop, I won't arrest you, don't fuck with my shit. Okay, thanks, bye. Uh, that I get. How he's also married to three women. Yeah. Like, like they have the joke of what, uh, who, it, like, what number is she or something? And at first, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he's a widower, not realizing yeah. he's, he's got, a polygamist. He's a polygamist. He's got three wives. <laughs> yeah, and then the one, oh crap, the uh, one in Chinatown. I forget her name um suki tawdry yes she has one sung line in the whole thing granted she's only in like five minutes five minutes i don't think i don't think movie. she's in the show i don't think she's in the show i think she's it's not. a joke for the film it is it is yeah. so how different is this from the stage version though so i've seen the stage version live once um in the 90s and was it the second national tour no it was not it was not it was the um it was the (laughs) what the american theater rep or american theater company something in chicago and um it was a big deal because they don't they're not supposed to do musicals you know or they hadn't at up to that point they were they were a drama company um and I, i i don't remember i liked it you know they all wore expressionist makeup and things but um but you've listened to yeah i know the recordings you know i know the recordings so no one is supposed to be likable in the show i got that right and (laughs) um you know Bertolt Brecht especially had very strong artistic and political ideas personally you know that he would he would infuse in his work i think it's hard to translate that to audiences now and make the piece work right but so as written, he wanted he wanted Mac Heath to be a mid 40s, short, overweight man. And it like, and we got you know, Raul and, express- <laughs> and they got Raul Julia, you know, because you need a sexy criminal. Um, but you're not supposed to identify with him, you know. But the problem then is, how do you sit for two hours through something where you don't like anybody, you know, and. Right. In it, there is a little bit of a story, uh, uh, I guess a feminist story of Polly showing how capable she is as a woman and a criminal. And in fact, a song that that we have to get to, but Pirate Jenny is actually written for Polly. She's supposed to sing it at the wedding as an entertainment for the guests and the get and the only guests are are the gang, Mac Heath's gang. Um, right. What happened was Kurt Vile's wife, is Lottie Lenya. Lottie sang it in the film. So there's a previous film of this by uh, G.W. Pops, a, a German expressionistic film in black and white. And it's consi- it's become famous just as a film, like with no relation to the opera, 
you know, people who don't who don't know who don't know musical theater necessarily know the film as as a famous German expression in film. And and I think that influenced this film because there's a couple times where I said like why did they put that song in this movie when there's better songs to choose from I think some of them they chose because they were in that earlier film which had to have smaller production values and things like that um, but but anyways so Lottie Lenya sang it in the film and then people identified the song with her when the show was finally produced twenty thirty years after it was written in the U S in the Mark Blitzman translation, Lottie Lenya starred in it, but she had, she was an older woman by then. So she had outaged Polly. Mm. And so she played, she played pirate Jenny um, and sang and sang it in the American recording. And it's always stuck ever since. She says that productions that have Jenny, the Jenny, the prostitute sing the song pirate Jenny don't understand the text, but I see her also, name actually here. She's also the reason that, you know, that the, those two are associated. And, and it I, I like it. It works. She's also on the Wikipedia page for the premiere cast as Jenny. Exactly. So she sang that role and they had to give her that song because that was the song people knew, like already associated with her. So was Pirate Jenny a song prior to being in the show? No, but it was originally in the German premiere. It was given to the character Polly. Got it. Okay. And then in the and then in the American premiere, Lottie Lenya was too old to play po- Polly, so she played Jenny, but she kept the song. Got it. Got it. Okay. So yeah. Oh wait. Um, no. What? Uh oh. I'm I'm sorry. I'm go. Uh, wait. Hold on. I'm re- <laughs> reading the Wikipedia page real fast. It premiered in Germany in 1928, and she's part of the premiere cast as Jenny. Oh. And Polly was played by Roma Bond. Okay, scratch all that. So, but I mean, that makes sense. That, but like, she does, if you, if in the German recordings, they they do give it to Polly. So something happened, though, in the film where it's given to Jenny, and then it her recording became famous of it. And in the- Do you, you know what I mean? Yes, in this movie though, Pirate Jenny is the one that she sings about the ships coming in. Yes. Okay. Cuz there's a lot of songs here. Yeah. <laughs> that usually a title of a song is sung in the in the song itself. Not in Kurt Vile. <laughs> That's not well, I mean also this is the English translation of a right. German song. So like who who the fuck knows what they if they're translating the song title or if they wanted to pull a lyric out oh boy oh no and now i'm even more confused so okay i also feel like this movie starts in the middle of a a story because yeah. Je- uh not jenny uh, well, we get Jenny talking, we get the prologue, kind of, where mm-hmm. they're like, Mac the Knife, you're about to watch Mac the Knife, huzzah. And then Polly leaves her house to marry McKeith, Mac, but I'm missing a lot of backstory. Right. <laughs> like, I'm just like, okay, first of all, how old are you? Because we first see Polly in bed with her sucking on her thumb. And I'm like, okay, are you a child bride? Is that what we're doing? But like, and then the action just goes and I'm like, what? I'm so confused. And then we were introduced to these random characters, like that one who, 
who meets Peachum that needs to get a beggar's license or something. Yeah. So did, did you understand? Did you understand Peachum? He, uh, he is the king of the beggars because what he's done is he has mapped out all of London into districts. And if you're going to be begging anywhere in the city, you need to give, he's, he's basically a pimp for beggars. You go to him, you get a license. He puts you in which district you're going to be. And then he takes a share of your profit. That kind of reminds me of Lawrence Fishburne's character in John Wick 3. I, yeah, I haven't seen that. Okay. For those of you who understand, I hope you're laughing right now. Uh... In the show, he's given sort of like liturgical music to sing. And that doesn't come across in the movie. Um, but I feel like it's a play on the idea of, you know, the church being in charge of all, you know, all the lower class and the beggars, uh, you know, and how they're going to, at at the end of the story, how they're going to wield that power versus the crown. I don't want to jump to the end right away because we're going to have to talk about that. But let's talk more about the women of the movie. So we've got, we've talked about Polly. Jenny is max go-to side piece right and she's even the one that's like he'll never marry me yeah he married all the other women but he married me but then uh halfway through the movie question mark we meet um crap what's her name lucy lucy she's tiger's daughter pregnant with max baby and his wife number two, but also doesn't know that Mac has other wives. Um, I have to say though, when when that is all uh, come to fruition, where where Polly and Lucy learn about each other and they sing, what is it called, Jealousy Duet? It, that was amazing, first of all. But then I was just like, well, why don't you guys team up and take over the business? like women power (laughs) nope women can't work together they can only be at odds with each other fighting for a man because like even like you said earlier everyone is supposed to be despicable in this movie and that's i mean i feel like that's kind of difficult because the cast is so attractive looking that you're like i raul julia i know you're gross human you're playing a gross human being but like goddamn (laughs) you're so snatched in your tight vest and (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i was just like why are you two women fighting over him he's clearly a bad guy he's cheating on you just go on with your lives the d is good i mean it's raul julia i mean yes the d is good i guess (laughs) now if it was if it was a middle-aged short overweight man we would have to ask okay why are they fighting over him which the then I guess would be the power. Well, yeah, maybe the D is still good. So um, I, I know we, we need to focus on the movie, but I Lucy in that 57 production is the character that B. Arthur plays. And oh, they drop her music by an octave as well. So when they're supposed to be doing these, this like color it or a laugh, <laughs> she goes, <laughs> and the only i don't know why they cast her i i i think it's just supposed to be funny and it is it's funny i mean yeah i think for the movie because i can only speak to the movie it is 
Mm. I wish there was like a director's cut or something. Cause I feel like I said, I, I feel like things are missing and they're puzzle pieces that I don't think they're like that big in the grand scheme of like what the story is, but like to help understand what's happening. Like, I don't understand why Peachum hate, but because I feel like Peachum right. hated Mac before. And we don't know why. Polly got married, right. And it's it's like, if they had a line being like, he's competition, that's all I needed. And but, Julie Waters, Peachum's wife, she like turns on a dime. She's all excited and she's getting the veil for, getting the veil for Polly to marry the captain. And then all of a sudden she comes and she sings about, you know, how he stole her daughter and how she needs revenge. So there's something unusual there too. I I think the point is that she doesn't realize that the captain is the criminal Mac the Knife that her daughter is is dating. Um, and I, I think there's mm. supposed to be this idea of these increasing shock value, which isn't played well enough in the film. But so we don't know the details. So every time there's another wife or another element that actually Polly's underage, we're supposed to go and then, you know, and, and grasp our pearls, but it's not played well enough. And again, the transfer of type of entertainment, this was sort of like Chicago, where it was a series of musical numbers with little intro. And then now it's being brought into a normal narrative structured film, not necessarily that well. I mean, I'm also not going to lie. I was very surprised that I thought um, the joke of him having other wives was just going to be the running gag. I didn't expect us to meet anybody else. And like I said, I'm uneducated about <laughs> Three Penny Opera and and Mac the Knife. So when we met Lucy, I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> and that's your, the jealousy to what is great. The jealousy, yes, and then I was I was in for it with the jealousy a jealousy duet. Um, okay, I want to talk about the ending because I knew this was Brecht. I know that this is a Brechtian based off of a Brechtian piece. And Brecht, for those of you who don't know Brecht very well, Brecht his works likes to remind you that you're watching a show, and so. In this movie, there are some Brechtian devices where like Roger Daltrey and some other characters speak directly to the camera, into your soul and everything. Uh, But that ending, when they hang Mac and all of a sudden they're like, that's not how this is happening. It's a show. It's a musical or whatever they say. I was like, what the fuck is this? But I get it. I I understand it because it is to be like we're watching a movie we're watching we're watching something these are people playing a part and so at first it was jarring and it was like what the fuck but then i was like you know what this is smart thank you Menahem golan for her paying respects to brecht how did you feel about that end i think yeah i agree it's jarring it's it's entertaining after the fact um and it is one of the only true like truest Brechtian devices in the film other than the other subtle nods that you mentioned overall I get the impression that uh Seltzer and Golem like they were they were trying to tribute and preserve Vile but not necessarily Brecht so much you know I don't know that Brecht would like this film right but but that ending did did play to his 
Aesthetic. Well, then it begs, I, I I have to ask, were they putting on the play the whole time and we were just watching some audience member's imagination of what's happening? I love that version. <laughs> that we're watching I some... I, yeah. I kind of wish that it cut away to anybody, somebody in the audience that they were just watching it. And that's what we are supposed to understand. You can you can cut this part out. But have you ever seen um, the film version of the Magic Flute, uh, the Bergman film of the Magic Flute? So I think it was made in the 60s or 70s. But that's that's actually the whole concept of the film is it starts on a stage production and you're seeing all the children in the audience watching it. But then the stage production keeps unfolding to be three dimensional and bigger and bigger. But then every once in a while, like suddenly there's an intermission and it'll go back to the children in the audience. It's it's exactly what you're describing. Well, because this device, I'm keeping that in, by the way, this device is like Chicago and like Rob Marshall movies. Right. The movie versions, not the stage version, where the songs are happening in their mind. And so it's, in a way, it's similar. Or like, I'm I'm inferring the similarities between you know mac the knife and chicago where it's mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's all performative base and everything but like i really hope that's what the ending is is manahan going alive <laughs> i don't know i actually don't know hold on let me look at <laughs> i haven't seen his name attached to a movie in a long time well no, he's very much dead. Okay. So if anyone who knows Manan Golan's like estate or something, let us know if they, if this is what was happening. Because <laughs> And uh I, I want to mention he, you know, I said it's it's kind of misattributed to Mark Blitzen, the, the translations of the music. On the soundtrack, if you go through it, a couple of the songs keep Mark Blitzen's lyrics, but most of them were rewritten by Golan as well. So he completely wrote the screenplay. Okay. Okay. Um and Dove Seltzer, additional lyrics on some of them as well, and okay. and, and then he, um, it's he's it says he um, musical director. However, the actual arrangements were all done by by various people. There's like a handful of like three or five people or something that made the arrangements of the songs. So because oh, like supervised. I w- I want to believe that we are watching the stage version but like imat- like somebody suspending disbelief and creating this world around it because like the choreography that they do prior to the ending is dumb <laughs> like, the f- it seems the like first dance break theater- I, yeah, the first dance break, it, you know, it's it's a dance arrangement that's not from the show, you know. And I was like, wait, what is this? You know. <laughs> Hold on, I want to finish. I want to finish my thought before I leave it. I'm as sorry, we, I'm so sorry. It, it feels like non-dancers community theater. Like I, I don't mean to put like there are some community theater productions that are like wild and crazy, but this is the one where it's like a passion project where like clearly nobody knows how to dance. <laughs> so they were like, okay, you're gonna do a two step. And that's it. Oh, I'm going to be so, I'm going to get so much hate from this. No, I love it. Those were the ones I was in in Chicago back in my day. <laughs> but like, but so Those were I'm, my specialty, actually. The one I'm talking about specifically is the prologue where they're singing about Mac the Knife and then they like walk two, three, 
Yes. Turn, walk, two, three, turn, two, three, yes. four, I'm turn, so glad you mentioned that. <laughs> I was like, I, wa- I wanted to mention that and I forgot. I'm so glad you mentioned that. The step, 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 turn, step, 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 turn. Yeah, because then that's like really the only big group number. Because like when we get to uh, Pirate Jenny, there there is some choreography, but it's mostly like, it's oh no, dance. there's a lot of. There is no, there is some choreography, but it's like, hey, simulate sex. <laughs> and that's the what beggars the beggars do a dance in the beginning after Peachum wakes them up in the morning. And that was the one where I was like, wait, what is this? Dance break? You know, that's what is a, this music? That's a like that was a good dance break. And that they dance were break dancing. takes place in something else we should mention, the square that is apparently all of London is one square uh-huh. so uh-huh. later on there's a car chase but all they do is go around and around one square and then that's the square that they all sing their kill the beast moment where they're like let's yeah. get mac the knife uh that's also the square where mac the knife where mckeith uh gets hanged right yes yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a very busy square it's a busy square you don't you don't want to say anything about the pirate jenny scene I was very confused again because like a did not know that that was the pirate Jenny looking at looking at my little outline with the song titles and everything. I was just like, what song is this? Then I was just like ships and then the ship came in or whatever she says thousands of times in the song. And I was like, okay, so you were okay. I don't know. I felt like weird backstory that wasn't the right backstory. It's it's revenge fantasy. You know, it's revenge porn. Um, but it's it, it's filmed as a fantasy. All all the characters are wearing iron masks and they do all die. Um <laughs> I, I I I love it. I love the mess I love the mascara streaks going down her face. Uh-huh. It's it's Victorian, it's Victorian goth. Actually, once they get to the brothel, all the lighting is red and everyone's in these garish outfits and there's top hats and corsets. And I kept thinking, this is what a Jekyll and Hyde film should be. Yes. Yes. But like, also later, so, okay. She's a prostitute. She's a whore. Yeah. yeah. We are understanding that. Later when uh polyamorous mac heath comes in and she's doing her job basically he's all mad and upset i'm just like you know she's a whore (laughs) she can't always be at your beck and call like waiting for you she has she needs to make some money (laughs) well and he he introduced her to the sex worker's life um, they sing a song right after Pirate Jenny about the the ballad of the easy life or something like that. Or, but it's um, but ballad it's of the pleasant tango, living. But it's but it's the tango ballad, yeah. So or, it's the tango, and oh, the ballad. So it's originally called the ballad of immoral earnings, but it's more usually known as the tango. And you get their backstory: how they used to live in a two by four house. And he would make love to her during the day, and then he'd leave at night while she saw while she saw clients because she was taking care of him. He put her up in a house to pay, you know, to pay for him. And then one day she tells him that she's pregnant and they get rid of it and they separate. And that's their backstory. I I did write down 
under memories of tango uh, memories tango ballad the song title i guess yeah. that's what it's called that's i'm how it glad is here, we're finally yeah. getting some backstory <laughs> yeah and she's supposed to be the one he you know the one he truly loves which is why he never marries her but then in the in the movie they kind of imply that it's the new character suki tadri is sort of like his more true love yeah that's so we like i wish it was her it is it no is. no i mean like it like it like there was no suki tadri it was right. just i mean her I don't want to make that. Yeah, I don't know. I can't say anything. But yeah, she, they included her, I think, for shock value. Uh, you know, a third wife. And then for, as just as you said, they include some sort of Chinese joke, which I, I don't know what to say about that. So wait, you've seen this prior to YouTube. I saw this on VHS back in the day. Is yeah. it that, is it this dark? Like, no, it, I mean, it was VHS quality because it was made for VHS, but it was, it was much easier to, I, it was much easier to watch. I had, I had trouble on, on YouTube as well, which is sad. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I don't think I have anything else that I wanted to bring up. What, uh, oh, wait, uh, maybe you have a better understanding than I do. So Roger Daltrey is the narrator. He yeah. is the one who... Like I said, uses one of the Brechtian devices. What is his character besides being the narrator for us? So Roger Daltrey was in a movie of the Beggar's Opera, which is a British opera, um, operetta, that the Three Penny Opera is based on. And okay. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if he which one he did first. I think he did the Beggar's Opera first, but I'm not sure. So then um, but he plays the McHeath character in the film of the beggar's opera which was made for the bbc so then now in the german version the three penny or well mac the knife they cast him again as the street singer the street singer in the show only sings really one number um sometimes it bookends it's the intro and the outro which is the title song mac the knife mm-hmm. according to wikipedia i i did not hear this back in the day but it's something that's popped up on wikipedia um in, in more recent times is that that number wasn't even in the show. And and musically, it makes sense. There's an overture, which is not in the film, which is um, almost a Baroque overture. And then from there, you go into Peachum's morning song, which I said is kind of like liturgical music and was adapted. The music itself was adapted from the British operetta, The Beggar's Opera. And then after that, you were supposed to get the surprise. But... This is a jazz version. And then they were going to go in, into the three penny music. Um, according to Wikipedia, the character who played McKee threatened to quit if he wasn't given a proper introduction. So they wrote a song about him, created the character of the street singer who's just standing on the London street with um, with a street organ. Um, and which is why the song is is just cyclical, just one line that keeps repeating, because it's supposed to be like he's accompanied by this crank organ, and he sings yeah. he he sings the backstory of who Mac the Knife is, and um, that's the one that became a hit. But then, but he oh, so then so they cast Roger Daltrey, and then they, I I kind of feel like they just needed to give him something to do, and then like you said, it does nod to. It does nod to Brecht's style of theater where you're breaking that wall and you're distancing the audience. So he becomes the narrator of the whole, t- whole tale. 
because he is part of the action and then like there's that one and he's song. not part of the gang but he's like warning them sometimes in the film you yeah. know like he's not officially part of the gang but he is interacting with them but then there's also that one song that he has with polly where i think he's hitting on her Mm-mm. well maybe but but i see that actually as as the narrator getting the exposition for us to find out what's going on got it and in in and usually that's that's a solo poly number so they added him to that song uh cuz they were like Roger Daltrey's here yeah <laughs> let's give him more he was Tommy for fuck's sake <laughs> he sure was uh Aaron i hate to abruptly cut this short but do you have anything else it. you want to talk about before we get to sharp and flat no no we talked too much already okay. <laughs> all right let's get to it sharp flat so in this section we're going to highlight some moments whether or not we talked about it if we liked it it's sharp and if we didn't like it or thought it could change it's flat and you know what i want to start with flats because oh as okay bonkers bananas crazy this was i didn't really have that many flats and i'm okay with that and i kind of want to end on a high note Sounds so good. uh i'm gonna go first with my flats if you don't mind um the first of all the flattest of all flats to the bizarre pacing and confusing storytelling like i said it feels like there's maybe a half hour missing there <laughs> so, is but it's all music yes um, I think though this would work better if it was a full blown opera without any dialogue, and that's what I was kind of hoping for. But then all of a sudden the talking happened, and I was like, "Oh fuck, okay, <laughs> I guess I'll pay attention." Um, I am, and my well, okay, so I'm also gonna, gonna flat that it's not an opera because, like, make it one. It, I know, um, Three Penny Opera is defined as a play with music and that's okay and everything but like clearly we're telling we're mixing up the story a little bit because i don't think does three penny opera take place in london it does it does okay because i felt like maybe they changed the setting or something for the movie um and then my last flat is for the character mac did not like him I'm shocked. And that's the point. And that is the point. <laughs> Sorry, I have I have very feminist ideals. <laughs> so <laughs> and he broke out all of them. <laughs> I was like, oh God. Uh what were your flats? Wow, that really was surprisingly few. Um I told you. I feel like there should have been nudity. Wasn't there? Like, no. And and if you Oh no, you're right. Surprisingly, for a movie in the '80s, there were no boobies. And you know, they call each other they call each other sluts, and they use language that you're not going to put and, and subject matter that you're not going to put in a children's film. But then it's shot like it's Oliver. There's some weird arrangements, you know, that like they add like it up. There's a song called "The Ballad of Sexual Dependency," but it has this tag like "bum bum 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 bum," like it's a Christmas song, it, which is added for the film. And like that that song. But, wait, wait, wait. You said sexual dependency is added. Um, the song, the, no, the song exists, but they add that weird like blaring horns at the end. Bum 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 bum. Like it's a Christmas carol. 
And, you know, if they're going to cut out music, you know, I understand that you need to do things for film, but like, what did they replace it with? I can't figure it out. So I feel like they should have added sex or at least nudity. Maybe that's in the 30 minutes that's cut out of the movie. Like, I don't think I've ever seen Raul Julia naked and now I won't ever be able to. I mean, he wasn't even shirtless in this movie. That's what I'm saying. Like, they could have given us chest. Right. Like, you know, I'm not saying it has to be a, it has to be an erotic film, but like, they could have given us man chest. They could have given us some back muscles. I think the only semi-naked person we see is the guy that um, it gets kicked out of, uh, fuck, what's her name again? Oh, right. Jenny's with, uh, Jenny's with the guy when, when Matt comes through the window. And if memory serves, I think he's shirtless, but like, I th- that's it. I think maybe he's wearing a, I think he's wearing like a nightshirt and no pants, but you don't see anything. Right. I and think. Like, I'm, not, and I'm like, not sure. And like, I think she might be, her boobs might be out, but like it, her back is to the camera. So we don't see it. I'm there's okay no nips. There's no nips. There's no movie. nips. There's no nips. And we were looking. Um <laughs> okay <laughs> uh it, it's implied that lucy gives the gives the warden i guess oral sex but you know they could have shown us more uh i know i, I sound ridiculous <laughs> for the keys she, unbu- she unbuckles so. his belt yeah i was just like what the fuck is happening mac tells her he says kill him or sleep with him do whatever you have to do you know what you keep talking i'm gonna look to see if there is a director's cut like so <laughs> I feel like I sound like a pervert right now, but my point is, is don't like sit in the middle road, the boring, you know, middle of the road and, and pick a side, you know, like if you want to make a family friendly musical, do that. If you want to give us a reason uh, to watch an adult film, then, you know, they can do that as well. And, you know, I would like to have seen Raul Julia. Um, I'm going to flat the cut songs and also that they chose some of the wrong songs, like, some of Peachum's songs towards the end. There were other songs that they cut out that actually serve the purpose of the storytelling in that scene better. And they cut out the love songs, which I I think um, are really lovely. I have a memory of the love songs being in the film, but I think I confused that with the, um, with the Pabst film. Um, Richard Harris, you know, RIP, but I don't think he was great in the film. And... My biggest flat is that it's not on DVD, it's not on Blu-ray, it's not on HD streaming, and Richard Harris is no longer with us. Raul Julia is no longer with us. Oh, uh, yeah, that's upsetting. You know, we, Julie Waters is a treasure, and she's in it. Roger Daltrey is, I guess, a treasure. He's in it. Um, so, yeah, they should they should give this to us. I I literally just looked it up on Amazon. I just wrote uh Mac the Knife 1989 all that's listed is as of now uh, only one left in stock of the soundtrack LP only one left in stock of the original movie poster a metal tin poster wow um i should get that and that's it there's Crazy. nothing else for because then they just show you knives <laughs> and other things that have either Mac or knife 
in it. <laughs> well, because then there's the song, like the famous song, Mac the Knife, that isn't what this in this movie. Right? Yes. That's that's the intro. That's what Roger Daltrey sings. But like, is that the one that is then made but, in pop culture? Yeah. So it's it's the the song Mac the Knife that Roger Daltrey is singing oh, in the I streets see. of London yeah. is what Bobby Darren Louis Armstrong and then everybody else, uh, Frank Sinatra ended up covering. Ella Fitzgerald, uh, Fitzgerald, Peggy Lee, Michael Buble, Robbie Williams, and others. Okay. So it is, okay. But yeah, that's what I see. And then also Knife, a Harry Hole story novel by Joe Nesbo. Uh, oh. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, okay. Sharps. First of all. Okay. So I... Sh- Vlad at the character, Mac, but I'm going to sharp Raul Julia because national treasure. Uh, he is a national treasure. Um, he did a great... I think as an actor, he did a great job. Didn't know he can sing. He, I felt like he carried the tunes. Not, he's not He may not be the best singer, but he did his job. Um, I also want to sharp Julia... How do you say her last... Julia... McGinnis, I, I think. McGinnis. I want to sharp Julia McGinnis and Julie Walters. Uh, they were great. I feel like I feel like I could have used like five more minutes of Julie Walters though because of her. She's a comedy, a comedic genius. But yeah, and uh, Julia McGinnis, songbird in this movie. Oh, somebody I forget who said this. Um, oh no! So Mac has a line that I'm sharpening, and that is. Banking is just like stealing, but legal. I was like, that is so true. <laughs> that is very, very true. Um, and then I also, uh, uh, this is a campy thing, but I want to sharp Mac giving his wives the same ring. <laughs> like I just imagine, I just imagine that he has like a bag of like really cheap rings ready to go to for his next wife. Everything is stolen. The wedding dress is stolen. <laughs> but like he had he somehow stole all these all three of them well, <laughs> or maybe or 10 of them yeah ten, yeah 10 plus rings and he's got a bag stashed away ready to go for when he wants to marry yet another person okay when really we know he wants to marry tiger that's it yeah i don't think he i, I don't think he likes tiger i think tiger likes him oh raul is just really good at using people and he uses sexuality to control people so they did butt stuff, but it was only just sex for Mac. That's, I mean, that's my interpretation. But yeah, see we that. see, um, we see, we see Tiger, you know, crying at the end, like, but I love you, Mac. Oh, and he's passed away too. I, I, me- I meant to include that in our list of stars that are no longer with us. Aww. That is, uh, what's his name? Bill Bill Nye from the Bill from Nye, Love Actually. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's he's amazing. He is. That's so upsetting. Um, what were your sharps? Okay, so I'll start with there. Bill Nighy was looking very, very pretty in this movie, which I never knew, like, he had a a pretty face. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, because we know, we know him from Love Actually. Recent things, (laughs) you know, or, or Underworld. Oh, no, he's still alive. What are you talking about? Oh, oh, oops. I, oh, I just internet killed him. (laughs) (laughs) That was totally unintentional. He's still alive and kicking. Okay, scratch that. 
I mean, he also did play Davy Jones in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And that one... Not looking good because <laughs> he's CGI. I'm so embarrassed. I feel like I should just get kicked off right now. <laughs> okay. So, but yeah, he was looking very, very pretty in this movie. Um, I liked the hats. And <laughs> did you notice Beecham kept changing hats for no reason? Yeah. And then was it him or was it Roger Daltrey that? like went from their beggar cap to a top hat at some point. Yeah, that was that was him. And then and then Polly has that amazing brown top hat in one scene. Uh, so many hats. I, I think maybe I think maybe for that jealousy duet, she comes in. Yeah, she comes in in a pretty fierce brown top hat. Uh <laughs> Roger Daltrey's steely blue eyes. Oh yeah. Um the cast is is great on paper if they're not all right for it on film uh wow (laughs) i mean there's a lot of famous people in this movie um and i feel like i've been talking so much trash and i i i really enjoyed watching the film i i other than the fact that it's on youtube and sometimes it was really difficult to watch overall i mean i i found it really entertaining I, i i had a i had a fun night watching the film um i want to sharp pirate jenny both the character and the fantasy scene for being so Victorian goth. And Julie McGinnis did bring a lovely sensuality to the role. Um, side note, she is the lead character, Carmen, in a, in the film of Bizet's Carmen with Placido Domingo. And, uh... you know, sounds completely different than this film. Other side note, that same character is played by Ellen Green in the earlier Raul Julia recording from 1975, who is Audrey? Yes. No, I. And yeah. if oh, you hear this, I, I think I think this might be necessary homework for you. If you listen to her recording of Pirate Jenny, there is no way you would ever know it's the same singer. It, really? Like, just I mean, and even whether you like it or not, it's just a testament to what a great actress and vocalist she is that she's able to do this characterization sounding like a completely different person. Um, yeah. So a little, just a little side note there. Um, lastly, yeah. Raul Julia, big sharp to Raul Julia. Um, would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? Yes. Um, Pirate Jenny again, but I really wish, and specifically this version of Pirate Jenny, there's a lot of recordings, but I really like the version in the film, um, the way she sings it, the way the orchestrations are arranged. I do wish there was a gay house version. If there was ever a gay house Pirate Jenny, Mark Allman released like his synth version, but oh, and Sasha Valore just released a, a short film of Pirate Jenny, which I've not seen, but I will. Um, like a music video? I guess. It's okay. it's, a, 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 it's considered a film, but I mean, I, I think it's probably only like three minutes long. I, I get, yeah, like a music video. But um, well, I'm I'm also I'm asking like, is she? Singing? She sings it. She okay. sings it. Yeah. So I I've heard a snippet of the song, but I did not know that there was a film to accompany it. So yeah, mm-hmm. I have to look for that. But yeah, ever since I think the first time I heard this song might have been well, I'd heard Nina Simone's version, but I think the first time I like really noticed this song was from this film. And um, ever since hearing it, yeah, I always wanted, I always wanted like a handbag house version for us to raise well, our hands to. Well, 
this is the opportunity. Hey, if anyone is listening, if anyone's listening episode, and you want a diva belt pirate Jenny, you should do it. Um, I know a few people who can do it, but like, if I'm more so, am I? I'm talking to the music producers out there that are listening to this episode. If you want to, or DJs, or I don't know what the term is I'm looking for, but if you have the capability to make a house version out of Pirate Jenny, please do it for us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so I'm, I'm so happy about that. <laughs> um, I would also add the Perpendicular song with Polly and Roger Daltrey, where she sings how when Mac finally came and he was mean, she just couldn't say no. For some reason, her performance in that, again, I don't even know who she is, but I think she just sings the hell out of that song and it's really lovely. So Rachel Robertson, she's only credited for 14 roles as an actress. And the last thing she was in was the 2006 movie For Sale by Owner playing young Sarah. She was apparently in the 1994 The Jungle Book, though. Oh. But she seems to be like a doing in episodes here and there of TV shows yeah. and then bit Just parts. a trickle of work. So maybe she's really a stage actress. I hope so. Uh, she, she has a lovely voice. Uh, so I agree with you with Private Jenny. I'm going to add that to my life's playlist. And I'm also going to add Jealousy Duet. And then we didn't talk about this. Death Message. I believe that's what it's called. It's whatever Raul Julia sings but while getting ready I, to I be think, hung. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. It's it's hard because the call from the grave and the death message are are, are really similar. But do you know um, Whistle Down the Wind? I uh, know of it. Yes. Okay. There's there's a number that the criminal in that sings, and it's it's so similar to this. Not not musically, like he didn't steal it, but it's the same kind of number. Um, yeah, he's Raul Julia sings and acts that very intensely in the film. Well, Aaron. Would you, would you remake the film? Would I? Oh, okay. 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 You know what? Yes, I would. Just because I feel like we're missing things. We are missing songs, as you said, Um, whether it's from Three Penny Opera or from this version, Mac the Knife, that they cut for whatever reason. So maybe... I don't I don't know if I'll want to remake it and call it Mac the Knife. I think I want to would make it and call it Three Penny Opera. Yeah. Because I think I would want to make that. And then, I don't know, do a little more Brechtian stuff to it. Like you said about how in the stage version, somebody's holding a sign telling you what the song is. So have that in the movie. Just just cause. <laughs> or or do it as we oh fuck i don't oh maybe i should cut that out nope i won't cut it out uh, or do it as what we said how it's a stage version but it's in somebody's imagination and you don't find that out until the very last minute so i think that would be hilarious um would you what if it was like 80s 90s music videos and the name of the character and the song title was in the corner yes yeah yes in bad video quality um i i would be open for a remake um you know of course i would miss raul julia but if it was going to be mac the knife it might be cool if they like swung it a little bit you know if they played it up as a jazz musical and did like uh, swing big band arrangements to the whole score Ooh. and and then of course they'd have to it, it's already about gangsters but then they'd have to you know update it to be sort of like Capone and 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 Robin and his seven hoods or something like that. 
So are you are we talking like 1930s New York? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm here for it. I yeah, think I think that could be fun. I think that concept would work. I don't know the show very well, like I said, like I've been saying. So I don't know if it'll translate well, but worth a shot. Same. Don't know. But it'd be uh, fun to listen to. But Aaron, we're done with the episode. All right. I'm I'm calling it. What do you have to plug and or promote? Let's see. Um, I'm editing the second episode, but our first big panel discussion of my podcast storybook, Sacred Lore of Witchcraft, and going through all that. I don't know how you produce so many of these a month as you do, um, <laughs> but that will well be out and will probably be out into the, you know, some of the future ones by the time this drops. So yeah, check me out on IG Sacred Lore of Witchcraft and you can find out about that work there. It's at Sacred Lore of Witchcraft. Yep. I know we've talked on that, but I just wanted to make sure. Um, and if you have any answers to the questions that I've asked or we've asked or want to give us money to redo the movie, we'll do it. Uh, mm-hmm. You can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttasongpod. Uh, I had a question that I was going to ask people, and I don't remember now. Okay, we'll leave it at that. And if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation, well, going back to another Second Chance Theater episode, and it's we're going to recover the Phantom of the Opera, everyone. Yes. The 2004 movie. Oh. So mind. excited. <laughs> you, were, you were so excited, and then I pulled the curtain, from, the, the rug from underneath you, and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, Aaron, thank you so much for introducing me to this movie. I I, I think I will be giving this another watch. I, I don't want to make promises, because in case I don't, but it was entertaining. And if it's still on YouTube, uh, I'll go for it. it. And if Amazon gets their shit together and puts it on DVD or something... I know. Oh, no, that's not Amazon's fault. That's distribution, uh, some sort of company. If Canon is still alive, it gets their shit together. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But thank you so much. Uh, And everyone, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.